Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Molecule to Market. I'm your host, Roman Segal. You might be hearing this via audio on the podcast as per usual, or you might be very lucky and you might be seeing my face as for this particular episode, I have done a video version as well. So as always, we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development space. So today, what I thought I'd do is share some content that I prepared and delivered at CPHI in North America recently. Um, I was kind enough to be asked by um, uh, CPHI and Informa to deliver a presentation, which we did actually via a Q&A with a co-host um, to discuss some of the challenges, solutions and trends that we are seeing in the supply chain across the industry. Rather than it being just, you know, data and reports and all that type of stuff, what we thought would be useful was to collate some of the um, some of the learnings that we've had over the last couple of years of, of doing interviews on Molecule to Market. We've we've interviewed over a hundred guests during that time, you know, as you know, leaders in the space from drug sponsors to vendors to everything in between and um you know layered on top of that obviously my day job as a founder of remarketing and co-founder of lead candidate uh, and all the other stuff that i do in the world uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to get access to information and opinion that enabled me to just collate some kind of key themes that i am seeing through the whole kind of space and um, most of what I'm going to talk about today is very opinion based and anecdotal and um, if you're hoping for lots of juicy statistics and that type of stuff then uh, go pay one of the big companies lots of money for some kind of fancy report um, you get this for free so <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit more opinion based so what I thought I'll do to make it is kind of simple as possible is I'll spend the first few minutes talking about the, the kind of four main challenges that we're seeing or that we have seen in the sector, and then four solutions that were that we've seen kind of implemented over the last couple of years, primarily as a, a result of the market and the pandemic. And then I'll talk about some of the trends that I think that you should all be aware of and discussing in your organizations, whether you're on the vendor side or the drug sponsor side, this is stuff that I highly advise you put on the agenda of the next kind of uh, senior leadership or board meeting, depending on the size of your organizations. Okay, let's start with manufacturing uh, kind of capacity in capabilities is the first of the four kind of challenges that I've seen for supply chains, particularly on the CDMO side. You know, even prior to the pandemic, the outsourcing space was growing kind of year on year. There's good, there has been good tailwinds for the sector as more and more outsourcing has come into play. Um, and then when you've added COVID to the mix, I think it's really pushed uh, capacity to the limit in certain areas where quite simply, uh, you know, demand is outstripping supply. So if you look, for example, at Sterile's market, there just isn't enough capacity. The other thing I think it's also done is exposed capabilities and domestic capabilities, particularly in the West. So I look at the US and Europe where 
they've in the last 20 30 years sent quite a lot to the east and when the pandemic hit it's uh, it's really exposed the need to modernize and update some capabilities um kind of kind of more more locally the impact of this you know is it's very much exposed um kind of limited resiliency of, of the supply chain which i'll come on to talk about in in more detail the second challenge that i've i've certainly seen is the kind of um the geopolitical implications on supply chain i think COVID alone brought a huge focus on geography and you know the proximity of vendors whether it's drug substance or drug supply i think thinking about the location of the manufacturing asset or where the raw materials has come from um, and whether the dominant supply is coming or critical materials are coming from elsewhere in the world has definitely brought more nervousness and uncertainty that we've ever seen before. In addition to that, you add the kind of political instability, tensions between different nations. Um, you then throw obviously the sad conflict that we're seeing in Europe at the, at the minute into the mix. And it very much makes for a more vulnerable kind of set of vulnerable and complex supply chain. I mean, you only have to look at the automotive sector to see the impact on that space. And I think the pharma space has also been kind of hit with that particular challenge, you know, firstly COVID and then obviously what's going on in the, in the world. I think as a consequence of that, I think it's made people a lot more aware of the impact of geopolitical kind of factors. It's fascinating, you know, when you do uh, an MBA or, you know, I did a university degree in, in marketing, you they talk about kind of uh, pestle factors, you know, political, economic, etc. like these big macro factors. And you almost think that they're not going to affect your business. But as we've seen in the last couple of years, they very much do uh, impact your business. Um, so that's the second one. The third one, I think that we're seeing more and more as a challenge now is the kind of the workforce in the in the labor challenges i think it's in the 20 years i've worked in the farm and biotech supply chain and outsourcing space it's the most challenging labor market that i've ever seen um definitely here in kind of the western part of the world in the us and in europe on one level there's just less people in the sector you know and um, there's been a huge drive in this part of the world to get more stem graduates through the universities and that's been a challenge across the board but nevertheless there just isn't a volume of people to keep up with demand i was over in switzerland recently as you would have gathered on one of the podcast episodes and it was fascinating to hear that one of the companies there was taking on bakers and butchers and retraining them and using their transferable skills to put them as operators on the line as things have got kind of not necessarily desperate but they're trying to find more innovative ways to fill the kind of the labor labor gaps and if that wasn't bad enough again the impact of covid on staff retention i think has been and hiring has been in one sense great because it's meant that in theory you can hire people from all over the world if you're in a non-operational role. Um, but it's also brought about some global competition because actually the flip side is everyone else can do <laughs> exactly the same. Um, it seems like everyone has a new job every week when I go into LinkedIn, everyone seems to have a new job. So that's pushing up salaries and expectations for employees. It's making retention of, of team members much, much harder. Um, and as a result, I think one of the shifts we've definitely seen is a greater focus on um, staff retention and attraction, the businesses that I, I work for and represent. There's a huge emphasis in both organizations around employee experience, 
attracting staff, retaining staff, really looking after people just to retain those skilled employees uh, more than ever. And the fourth and final kind of challenge that we've seen come up again and again in many of the interviews that we've done on the podcast, and this one's a bit away from the macro stuff, and it's more um, around kind of, I suppose, thematic repetition that we've seen is um, dosage form complexity and how that has impacted or is impacting the supply chain. You know, so you know the biotech kind of, uh, if you like, buyer is is producing and asking for completely different types of products. If you look at, say, ultra-orphan products, it's not a one-size-fits-all any, anymore. So we're seeing you know, smaller batch sizes, fragile containers, um, kind of new storage conditions that are required. It's adding more complexity and cost to the sector. And as a result of that, it's required, particularly on the CDMO side and the packaging side, to be much more adaptable um, to the higher value and kind of um, and kind of not the kind of the different the differential kind of versions of these dosage forms coming through the system. So just that makes things a bit more complicated. And in addition to that, you've got higher value drugs coming through, which again adds more security problems. So those are the four kind of challenges that we've seen. So you know, I suppose in summary, really challenging times in some respect. Good because demand has been up, but that's caused supply chain vulnerabilities and we're seeing increased complexity, complexity both at a macro level and a kind of industry level. Okay, so now I've given you the challenges and you're all hopefully sitting there nodding or saying, yep, yep, we feel that, we hear what you're saying, Roman. Let's talk about some of the kind of solutions that we are, are, are seeing. The first one is around, I suppose, redeployment um, or you know, reshoring, as we we've seen in the space and heard many times before. This is a really interesting one because I suppose mid-pandemic, we were hearing people talk about this kind of east to west kind of move for product, and particularly in the API space. Um, I wasn't seeing a lot of it actually happen early on. It seemed to be a lot of talk. Um, however, in the last I'd say six to nine months, having been out and about and traveling a bit more and speaking to people, particularly at DCAT in New York a couple of months ago, this is a very real trend. And I know that because the opportunities it's presenting to CDMOs in the West is is, is tangible and, and real. Um, and for many of the reasons that we've already covered, supply of kind of critical materials in certain kind of products is definitely moving from East to West. Um, you also add climate change to the mix. I don't think it's a very good look for a lot of companies to be sourcing things from the other side of the world when there's a local supplier. So I think that concept of redeployment, both for um, peace of mind and the concept of proximity and that you're close to us and also your climate change, ease of communication, ease of doing business, et cetera, et cetera, political instability, you can see why companies are redeploying and they're willing to pay the premium. And I don't think that premium is as big as it was a few years ago. I don't think necessarily uh, the cost savings outweigh now. It's that clear whether the cost savings outweigh uh, the advantages. The second solution that we've seen, I suppose, particularly in the US and, and also here in the UK, is kind of um, government support and kind of policy change. Um, certainly in the US, we're seeing the start of, you know, of a wider initiative to redevelop supplies, uh, particularly in the pharma and critical ingredients part uh, of the of the space. And 
here in the UK, uh, where I am today, I spent some time uh, speaking to someone recently who's involved in the biomanufacturing facility here in the UK that's getting off the ground. And he talked about working with the NHS, the National Health Service here in the UK. Um, and he talked about that there's a product that the NHS supply for Crohn's disease, uh, for a very small rep kind of patient population. And there's one supplier in the world in the US that is responsible for getting that product here for those patients. And it's just too vulnerable. So part of what this initiative is, is that they can potentially supply that here locally in the UK, meaning they weren't, it's reliant on that supplier elsewhere in the world, which I thought was absolutely fascinating to hear that. And I suspect those conversations are happening all over the world. And again, not to mention it too many times, but the geopolitical situation yeah, that was seen in the mix, I think is just kind of adding more fuel to the fire in terms of pushing legislative change and actually boosting domestic capabilities that will strengthen local supply chains. So in one sense, I think it'll be good for the for local markets and kind of domestic economies because they're actually spending and investing more money, which is good for job creation and wealth creation and all that good stuff. The third solution uh, that we've seen is, is, I suppose, the pandemic impact. I mean, all of our lives, our businesses, the way that we work have been kind of turned upside down in the last 24 months and uh, it seems like a miracle that things seem back to normal you know i've just returned from a holiday in spain i've traveled quite a lot we're out and about no one's wearing masks it's almost like the pandemic didn't happen and um i, I know it's not the same everywhere in, in the world but certainly how it feels in the uk and uh, in the in the us as well and whilst lots has gone back to normal what's been quite fascinating to see is Quite a lot of the solutions that were brought about because of the pandemic are here to stay. Um, and I see, you know, one thing I would think about in your own organisations is ask the question, what worked well during the pandemic that is better than what you had beforehand? There's no reason to go back to the way things were if actually you found a more efficient way. Obviously, hybrid working policies, you know, minimising travel, all that kind of stuff are the obvious stuff, but I suspect there are things within your organization at an operational level um, that have just been uh, kind of a better version of what you were doing anyway and were quicker, more efficient, better, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, things have changed. You know, the technology we have, the, you know, even see global recruitment, virtual audits, it's giving some organizations competitive advantage. So certainly take advantage of that if that's happening in your organization. And the fourth solution that we're seeing is you know linked to some of the points that i've mentioned before is i suppose building strategic kind of resiliency into the supply chain so i think for the if you look at it from the buyers and drug sponsor perspective the fragility of their supply chain um has really been exposed in the last few years especially where say there was a single point of failure and there was no contingencies in place tactically what we saw as a result of that were things like dual sourcing and contingency supply both in on the clinical trial side and the kind of um, commercial side which has kind of brought great opportunities uh for for cdmos we had a guest on in the podcast who talked about a biotech company that was in clinical trials that had two cdmos set up basically produced a product because it was more cost effective to do that than run the risk of um, of the trial not being kind of or, or missing the trial deadline or, or milestones. It just shows you <clears throat> how, how companies are, are trying to manage that kind of process. 
but what what's <laughs> quite fascinating is you now have these drug sponsors that now have multiple CDMOs set up, if you like, ready to go. And they are now being asked to have multiple versions and alternative supply solutions at the subcontractor level. So you've got this trickle down effect that is coming through the market where you know everyone's got multiple suppliers. And that's great to an extent because it kind of mitigates the risk. But at the same time, if there's just simply not enough of something, whether it's a raw material, whether it's an excipient, whether it's an API, whether it's a, you know, a, whether it's glass, it's whether you've got twenty suppliers or one, it's the same problem for everyone. But nevertheless, I think there's definitely been a solution where people are just more mindful of having that resilience um, in kind of in terms of tangible kind of solutions. So. Um, you know, other things we've seen, you know, stockpiling, um, having a, a, a local alternative, just finding a partner that can help in case things go down. All right. So being through the challenges, being through the solutions. And the final section to kind of go through is kind of the trends and, and things that um, to be to be prepared for. And the first one links to the previous point is a proactive focus on risk mitigation and supply chain security. So I'm intentionally going to repeat myself. What we, what I've just talked about in the previous point was quite tactical and reactive to what happened during the last couple of years and what's going on in the world, as, as I mentioned, in terms of the challenges. And I think the need has now shifted towards being strategic and proactive. We're living very strange times from a, uh, from all perspectives, and I think everyone needs to be better prepared for what can happen. We can't obviously predict every eventuality, and what you know, there will be things that will happen that we just cannot see. But we've seen what we, you know, what may happen again. You know, we might, you know, a boat may get stuck somewhere. We might have another pandemic. You know, we might have a supplier go down. There are things that have happened in the last few years, which we thought would never happen, which give us a blueprint for things that could happen in the future. And as I say, you can't predict everything, but nevertheless, I think there's an opportunity here for companies to have a really, really strong kind of design contingency, kind of risk mitigation design around what do we do when things happen? Kind of good old fashioned kind of contingency tests and really stress test them and make sure you have a um a plan for when these things happen and that your team know how you're going to react to these situations and i can tell you now the companies that do that and that kind of mobilize quickly and get ready and take advantage of whatever the opportunities that come about when things go wrong those companies will likely succeed when things uh, don't go to plan and they have a plan in place the second big trend that I'm seeing is um, incredibly topical, as you know, is just around sustainability and becoming a much bigger core issue. Um, certainly seeing it as, a, as, a, as an increasing valuation metric for buyers as well. You know, whether it's big pharma, biotech companies, investors, government, industry bodies, the sustainability piece is becoming more and more vital and more and more kind of up the agenda, is going up the agenda. And I think the risks for climate change generally, for particularly the CDMOs, are, are quite big. If you think about it, in terms of um, 
availability of supply, production, transportation costs, storage, it's going to add a huge more complexity to the supply chain. So, so really thinking about that is a key um, business focus in the next few years for anyone who's producing products who've got factories and all that kind of stuff, which I suspect is the majority of you all, then I suggest that this is high on the agenda if it's not already. And ultimately, I see this going higher up the criteria list for buyers as selection criteria. I don't think it's number one or number two or number three at the minute, but I suspect it might be in the future. So get ahead of the game, so to speak, and do it now. You know, we've seen some really interesting, we've had some fantastic guests on the on the podcast. You know, if you look at Societal in, uh, in the US and 1023 Health in Switzerland, two companies that have really positioned themselves around, um, you know, being a slightly more modern focused um, businesses that are trying to attract kind of staff and you know focus on people and planet and, and all that kind of stuff so again you know sustainability is a challenge you know if you think about you know carbon emissions and water usage and where waste goes from factories all that stuff is, is key but how it's managing it how you proactively um you know dealing with sustainability and climate change i think um will be a useful area to focus on when talking to potential clients and attracting new employees. The third biggest trend that I'm certainly seeing at the minute is just um, cost pressures. You know, in all of our lives at the minute, we're probably feeling the pinch one way or another. You know, um, you know gas prices are going have gone up food seems crazy expensive, inflation's on the rise, interest rates on the rise. You throw into the mix for our sector as well, we've got you know, declining purchases of vaccines and, and medicines. And you know the bigger trend within that is then you've got less biotech or a, or a slowdown in capital funding in the biotech markets. But So you've got all the costs rising, but the demand for say new medicines and personalized medicines on the horizon that require the tool that, that need to be developed. So there's this really interesting challenge that the industry is gonna have and that the costs of everything are going up, but the need for new medicines is also going up, but you can't necessarily do them at the same cost. So we need to find tools and ways to bring the cost of development down and ultimately make these neutral products more accessible. Um, you know. I think the market that we've worked, you know, that we all love and work in every day has enjoyed a really positive last few years, which sounds crazy given what's going on in the world. But we have got some, I think it'll be a little choppier in the next couple of years. And I think the cost pressures that we're all feeling will be central to that. And ultimately, I think it will lead to margin pressures, particularly on the vendor side for CDMOs, CROs and, um, uh, you know, packaging companies, analytical companies, pretty much anyone in the supply chain unless you've got a really specialist technology that's very, very niche. And ultimately, I think that will bring more competition into the market because um, I think it'll be opportunities for people to kind of see, you know, come into the market and actually, even though the, the barriers to entry can be quite high, I do think the increase in demand will bring more competitors to the space. And the Final trend that I wanted to share with you today is just around increased digi digitalization. And that might sound super cliches. And yeah, right, Roman, what do we actually do with that? 
think at a very basic level, we have to find smarter ways of working. The pandemic forced us to do that. And as I said before, think about what you're doing or what you did during the pandemic that you can keep, that you don't need to go back and do the old ways. But another thing to think about is, as I mentioned before, I think the challenge the sector is going to have and your business might have is you just might not be able to find the bodies. So you guys might be trying to recruit 50 staff, say, in the next year or even 500 in the next few years. What are you going to do if you cannot find the people? That's the question I'd be asking around the board table. How can we do this without, with half the people or no people? That's not saying for one second you shouldn't be employing people or you should be losing your staff. I'm certainly not saying that. I think job creation is one of the most wonderful things that we have in this space. But if there's not the bodies, how are you going to do it? And I think that will lead to more innovative ways of thinking around digitalization, use of technology, how we can use AI, how we can use collaboration tools, how we can have better supply chain connectivity. And I think as a result of that as well, we'll see more technically or technology savvy CDMOs coming into, sorry, not just CDMOs, te um, technology savvy vendors coming into the space. All right, so there you have it. Um, half an hour or so of me and a monologue. I hope you are still awake. I hope you haven't fallen asleep. Um, I suspect there will be a ebook or transcript version of this because obviously it's quite a lot of content that we've been through. But just to help you, I'll quickly summarize them all again. So the four challenges I talked about, number one is around just the manufacturing capacity and capabilities, particularly in the West. Number two is the ge geopolitical implications and kind of challenges that we're seeing in the world. Number three is workforce and labor availability. Number four was dosage form complexity. And then onto the solutions that we're seeing. Number one was redeployment or reshoring of um, production from east to west. Number two was increased government support and policy change. Number three was the pandemic impact and what, what has worked that we can keep. And number four was building strategic resilience into the supply chain. And the kind of wider trends that I think you should be talking about in your business. Number one is a greater proactive focus on risk mitigation and supply chain kind of stability. Number two is sustainability. Number three is a focus on how you're gonna deal with the increasing cost pressures and potential competition and margin erosion into the market. And number four is around increased digitalization and smarter ways of getting things done. I hope you've had some value from today's episode. I got, um, fortunately got really good feedback from delivering a similar presentation in Philadelphia at CPHI recently. And I got asked a few off a few people when I was going to do this podcast. Hence, that was what spurred me to to, to do it. Um, as always, thank you for listening and watching. If you are seeing my little face today, um, we are incredibly grateful for your loyalty and for keep coming back and your kind comments and all that kind of stuff. If you've enjoyed today's episode, um, please head over to your um, app kind of store of choice and leave us a kind review and that helps us go up the ratings and reach the ears of other people. Also, um, feel free to share this with your colleagues or an industry kind of connection that you think might find
find it useful. Other than that, thanks for listening to Molecule to Market and I will see you or speak to you very soon. Hi again, thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and we will see you again next week. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.